Chapter 10 of the Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson. The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods by Herbert Carter. Barefaced Robbery in the Maine Woods. Three men were bending over the dead deer, and all of them carried rifles. They were a rough-looking set, all told, and anyone would know at a glance that they could not be city sportsmen up here in the Maine woods on a hunt, but must belong to the native class of guides, loggers, or possibly something worse. One of them was in truth a giant, and as soon as Tad set eyes on this individual, he knew that his worst fears were about to be realized. This could be no other than the big poacher, Old Kale Martin, the man whom the game warden seemed to dread like poison, and had never yet dared arrest, though his breaking of the laws had become notorious all through that section where he roamed. Despite his sensation of acute alarm, Tad surveyed the man with more or less interest and curiosity. He had heard so much about his doings that he would have actually felt a certain degree of disappointment had he gone away from Maine and never met Kale Martin. Then, what Jim Hasty had told him added to his desire to look upon the face of little Lena's awful father. No doubt, Step Hen must also have jumped at some sort of right conclusion with regard to the identity of the three men. The unusual size of the leader was quite enough in itself to tell who they must be. Tad did not halt long upon sighting the others, but walked forward. Even though poachers, this did not mean that the three men were desperate outlaws by any means. No doubt they walked in and out of villages in this extreme northern section of the state and were greeted by those who knew them as fellow guides, though seldom were any of them employed in such a capacity nowadays. Step Hen tagged at the heels of his chum. He did not know what Tad might be going to do, but although white of face just then, with a sudden fear of trouble, at least Step Hen showed no sign of running away. The three men looked up as the boys approached. All of them seemed to be grinning, as though amused. But while the big man really looked somewhat as a mastiff might appear to a little terrier, his two companions had a sneer on their dark, evil faces that gave Tad more or less uneasiness. He knew that while Step Hen was entitled to that fine buck, the chances were his claim would never be considered for a single minute. Might made right in the main woods with men of this stamp, "'Hello, Yonkers. Looking arter your deer, eh?' remarked the giant as the boys boldly approached. "'While there ain't any, do you see? "'We got a fine little buck here as Si fetched down with his big boar cannon. "'Only for him the deer's been in their next county before now, eh, Si?' "'And the giant, as he said this, turned on the man who wore the greasy suit of buckskin "'and sported a coonskin cap after the style of the old-time hunters now so nearly extinct.' That's right, Kale. He'd a been a goin' like two forty yet, and only for the ounce of lead I throwed into him on the jump. I guess as how that little pepper box just tickled him a mite and made him feel frisky. Step right up and take a look at my buck, if so be your warner, strangers. I ain't begrudging you that much consolation. But don't you be saying you had any hand in knocking him over, cause I don't stand for any foolishness, see? He looked particularly ugly when saying this last, and Tad knew there was not the slightest shadow of a chance that they would get justice from these fellows. Seeing the sadly wounded deer plunging blindly toward them, Sai had fired at the animal, and now they claimed to own the prize. 
Well, there was no use trying to make a fuss over it. Two boys could hardly expect to overawe three such hardened woods rangers as these. Nevertheless, for his own satisfaction, Tad accepted the rude invitation of Cy Kedge to advance closer so that he could stand over the deer. Something caught his eye as he looked, and bending down, he deftly took the object from the motionless body of the deer, just back of the shoulder where a patch of blood appeared. Tad held the object up so that all could see. Even Stephan recognized it as the mushroomed bullet that had been fired from his rifle. The evidence was as positive and clear as noonday, for that bullet, after spreading out, had bored completely through the body of the buck and was ready to drop from the other side when it caught the sharp eye of Tad. And that other wound in the neck must have been where the boasted large caliber bullet from Cy's big gun had gone, producing only a superficial hurt that would not have seriously inconvenienced the sturdy buck. Oh, that's my bullet, exclaimed Stephan, hardly comprehending what a storm his words might bring about their ears. And just as you said, Tad, I hit him in the side where his heart lies. That would have killed him in a short time, I just guess, don't you, Tad? But Tad did not make any answer. He was keeping his eyes on the three men, even while dropping the spread-out bullet into his pocket to show it to Eli and Jim and Alan when they returned to camp as proof that the glory of killing the fine six-pronged buck really belonged to Stephan. The giant actually gave a little chuckle. Evidently, he admired the nerve shown by this half-grown lad, for like most big men, Cale Martin could on occasion exhibit a sense of generosity toward those smaller than himself. With just that brief chance to see what the three poachers looked like, Tad was able to size them up along different lines. He believed that Cy and Ed were both shallow-brained bullies with revengeful natures, but that Cale Martin, while known as a desperate man, was really more so through his association with such rascals as these than for any other cause. And Tad chanced to know just why he had doubly earned this reputation for ugliness during the last year or so. Jim Hasty's running away with his little girl Lena had been the last straw that broke the camel's back, since it had made old Kale feel reckless and as though he cared no longer for anything in this world. What do you think of that, Cy? burst out the other fellow who had not spoken up to now. The pesky critter is a claimin' as how his friends sent that bullet through their buck's ribs when we all know it worked from your gun. The shorter poacher gritted his teeth and looked daggers at Tad. He even made a significant movement with his heavy rifle, which the boy saw was of the repeating pattern and had the hammer raised at that moment. I don't stand for any such talk as that, he declared with savage energy. And if their cubs knows what is good for them, they'll turn tail and mosey out in this here region some quick. Scat now and be mighty careful how you can start to claimin' a deer again when another man's shot. It's something that ain't going to be allowed up here in the woods. I gives you fair warning to change base and clear out. Come on, Tad, let's move along, exclaimed Step Hen, who was white in the face and trembling more or less. Of course, the patrol leader was far too smart to think of trying to defy that ugly lot. At the same time, Tad showed no sign of fear as he turned and gave the bully of the woods one sneering look, as though plainly telling him what he thought. Indeed, it seemed to stir the ire of the man who claimed to have killed the deer, for with a snort he started to throw up his gun as if bent on threatening mischief unless the boys ran in a hurry. But it was the hand of the giant that grasped the gun and turned it aside. Don't you try it, Cy, roared old Kale. 
We done enough as tis to taking their game away from em without laying a hand on their hides. But you'd better skip out, as I says, yonkers, and say, well, I think o' it, just tell that sneak Jim Hasty for me that I'm going to keep my word about them ears of his'n. I'll learn him what it means to defy old Cale Martin. For the life of him, Tad could not help making some sort of reply to this. I'll carry your message, just as you say, he went on. But let me tell you right here and now, you never made a bigger mistake in your life when you called Jim Hasty a sneak or a coward. Would a coward dare come up here when he knew how you hated him and had it in for him? I guess not much. Fact is, Jim's got a message for you. Somebody's sent him up here. And he meant to hunt you up and see you face to face. A coward? Well, I guess not and without giving the giant a chance to say another word, Tad wheeled, striding away, with the nervous step-hen at his side, casting many an anxious glance back over his shoulder, as though not quite convinced that the warlike sigh might not think it best, after all, to shoot after them. But ten minutes later, and the two boys were well away from the spot, which had come very near looking upon a tragedy. "'How do you feel about it now?' asked Tad. "'What do you mean?' inquired the other. I'm as sore as can be about losing my lovely six-pronged buck and knocked over all by myself, too. Wouldn't I just like to give it to that low-down liar of a sigh kedge, though, for saying that was his bullet when anybody could see that it came from my rifle? Why, he only pinked the deer in the neck because I could see the mark. Oh, the thieves, the miserable skunks to cheat me out of my prize. I'll never, never get over this, Tad. Oh, yes, you will, Step Hen, remarked the other soothingly, for he felt that the bare-faced robbery had been a terrible shock to his companion. But what I meant when I asked that was, do you want to head toward camp now? Have you had enough hunting for today? Now, I know you're saying that, Tad, just to let me down easy, declared the other. I acknowledge that I was beginning to get tired up to the time I killed that deer, but it's all passed away now. The excitement did it for me, and I've got my second wind. Then you want to keep on hunting? asked the scoutmaster, feeling that Step Hen was exhibiting considerable grit under the circumstances, and delighted to see the same brought out by the ill turn fortune had given him. Sure I do, instantly replied the other. I'm just wild to get another chance to knock over a six-pronged buck, and now that I know the ropes, it's easy as falling off a log. Looks like this snow ain't a-going to amount to much, after all, and we've got pretty nearly half a day ahead of us yet, so let's keep on for a while. When I get a little tired, we'll stop to eat our snack of grub, when I can rest up and be ready for another hour or two. But I'm afraid my luck has turned, and we won't sight another deer this blessed day. Do you, Tad? We'll hope to at any rate, replied the other as he started off again. And it's that constant expectation of starting up game that makes hunting all it's cracked up to be. So come along, Step Hen, and if we fail to bring in our share of venison, it won't be because we lay down too easy. Now, for quiet again, remember, and keep a constant lookout ahead. End of chapter 10